0: Hi, this is Steve Addison, and you're listening to the Movements Podcast. A podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're continuing our series with Nathan Shank, Movement Catalyst, on discovering the missionary task, and the topic today is Gospel Seed Sowing. Well, welcome back to the Self Discovery Series, where it's our attempt to allow the Scripture, for that matter, to examine the Scripture to discover for ourselves the missionary task. As you remember, last time we were together, last time you gathered with your disciples, we were looking at the matter of this missionary task and how do we engage lostness? How do we enter into an empty field? We saw through both Jesus and Paul's example the expectation that wherever we may be led by the Holy Spirit, wherever we may uh, engage the harvest field, we have a chance to join God who's already at work ahead of us. I trust those studies were valuable for you and your disciples. That leads us today to, to continue to move forward. If we've considered the empty field, who we share with, the question today so important for the missionary task, what do we say? Today we're going to focus in our series on the matter of gospel seed sowing. I can think of no better place to spend our time with our disciples in the pursuit of a fidelity to the missionary task than the question of clarifying the gospel message. As you gather with your disciples today... The first of our studies is is simply that. We're going to pursue and allow Scripture to clarify for us the core elements of the Gospel. As you gather your disciples, I'm going to ask you to consider these verses. 1 Corinthians 15, Romans chapter 3, Colossians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, and Isaiah chapter 53. Each of the verses you'll find here. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to pause the video as we have. And with your disciples, I want you to consider two key or core questions for this study. The first of those questions, what are, as you read these passages, what are the core elements of of the biblical gospel? You would find that by seeing the things that are repeated over and over across these passages. And secondly, as you discuss with your disciples these same passages, uh, do each of these passages, what do they contribute uniquely to the conversation of the gospel? In other words, are, are there elements that each of these passages contribute that might give more color or beauty or, or enhance our understanding the breadth of that gospel message? Uh, take a few moments with your disciples. In fact, let's not rush this. Take all the time you need and let's let the scripture clarify the gospel for us. Well, welcome back. I trust that you had a good time with this study. As I said earlier, I can't imagine a better place to start in in this matter of seed sowing than simply looking across this survey of the gospel in the New Testament and allowing the Scripture to define for us the core elements of that gospel. I am reminded of 1 Corinthians 15 as you studied. As of first importance, Paul says, this gospel that was passed to the Corinthians, that according to Scripture, Jesus had to die, that He was buried, and then on the third day rose again, according to the Scripture, that He was observed by His disciples. These core elements, I wonder, as we consider our gospel seed sowing, how these core elements, how our hearts are prepared, how our mouths speak and relate these same truths, Romans chapter 1 calls this gospel the power of God unto salvation. Surely, in the missionary task, we're dedicated to fidelity, to hear that gospel, see that gospel presented. As we depart today, as we wrap up this study, I'll just tell you, whatever elements you found, as you did this discovery study with your disciples, if there were key or unique elements in each of these passages that we consider core to the gospel, I'll offer you a chance to go deeper. Consider the sermons in the book of Acts, the places where disciples and apostles, sent ones, are preaching the gospel in the narrative of the book of Acts. Consider Acts chapter 2, where Peter speaks at Pentecost, verse 14 through 38. Consider Acts 13, 16 through 41, where Paul and Barnabas preach at Pisidian Antioch, or even Paul, who is alone in the city of Athens, in Acts 17, 22 through 31. If you want to go deeper, there may be no better way than to take that list of core elements you discovered today in our study and look for them in these sermons in the book of Acts. Surely they'll provide confirmation. That as we describe, as we clarify the gospel, we're on the right track according to the New Testament. Hello and welcome again uh, to the self-discovery series. Our desire, our goal as in this series is that from the pages of the New Testament we might discover for ourselves what is the missionary task. As we've been studying, and even last time we gathered, we transitioned from the matter of entry strategy, how do we enter an empty field, to again today focus on the matter of gospel seed sowing. Now in our previous study, we had a chance to allow the scripture to clarify for us the key components of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Why each of those mattered to the gospel preachers in the New Testament, and even to check our study against the gospel sermons in the book of Acts in our Going Deeper section. Today, we're going to continue in this matter of gospel seed sowing, and we're going to ask the questions concerning right response to that biblical gospel. You realize that across a variety of passages in the New Testament, as preachers preach the gospel, as seed sowers scatter the seed of the gospel message, again and again, we have a chance to watch and allow them to demonstrate for us what it means to draw the net, what it means to call those who hear to write response. In today's study, as you gather your disciples, I'm going to give you a set of passages where you see this very thing at work, where people are called to repent, people are called to believe how they go about receiving and responding to the message that gives life. You realize why this is important. Not only that our gospel is clear and biblical, but that our call, our expectation In the matter of sowing and in reaping, would be led by the pages of Scripture. As you gather your disciples together today, in whatever place, whatever venue you might gather and study, I'll offer you these passages, quite a few of them, actually. Some from the Gospels, Mark 16, Mark chapter 1. Others from the book of Acts, like chapter 2, verse 38. And as you see them appearing here on the screen, some of them also from the epistles, from the book of Romans and the book of Galatians or even 1 Peter. I invite you to, to simply push pause on this video. Take time with those disciples. And I'm going to offer you, as we do, two key questions to consider and to discuss around these same passages. Number one... Uh, What terms, as you look at right response to the gospel, what terms are used in each of these passages to describe gospel response? The second way to ask the same question as a key question for you, how did the gospel preachers call for response to that gospel they presented? Take time to pause the video and examine for yourself. See for yourself what the scripture has to say. Well, I trust that study was valuable to you and your disciples. I trust that you heard from the Word of God uh, concerning right response to the gospel that we share, the seed that we sow. It seems to me, even as I consider the letters of Paul, many times as Paul warns against false teaching, uh, for example, in the book of Galatians, This same issue seems to be the doorway through which false teaching has emerged in the New Testament era and perhaps even across church history. That even where a clear gospel is presented, at times, uh, somehow the human agency or a false teaching concerning the role of the hearer in gospel response, whether it be by legalism or, or some other means, often this is the false teaching that's corrected, that's rebuked by Paul in his letters, that's warned for us as we go about the ministry of the kingdom. All the more reason to let the Word of God speak to us. Did you notice that there were a variety of terms, uh, at times the same terms used interchangeably in these various passages? There's actually a brother, a New Testament scholar named Robert Stein, retired at this point. But some years ago, he wrote an article on conversion in the New Testament. and He pointed out that there seemed to be five interchangeable terms used in these same passages. Uh, At times, the gospel preachers call for repentance, at times for faith, at times they call for a confession of Jesus as Lord. In other places, that conversion, that right response is synonymous with the receiving of baptism. According to Stein, a fifth term, even the matter of receiving the Holy Spirit. So that in Acts chapter 2, we can hear Peter uh, call those who had crucified Christ, there gathered in Jerusalem, that they should repent and be baptized. In Romans chapter 10, a passage we often use to as we teach the gospel, in right response there, Paul calls for people to believe in their heart that God was raised from the dead, to confess Him with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. And how do we understand that these terms seem to be interchangeable? Robert Stein told us, wherever these five terms are gathered, wherever two or three or any combination of these terms are called for, the others in the New Testament are presumed. Thank you, Robert Stein. As you consider your gospel seed sowing, as you sharpen and train evangelists to go out and sow the seed seed, Are you considering the issue of right response? Are you allowing Scripture to determine how we draw the net, how we call people? Well, the matter of faith, the matter involves biblical repentance, the right response of confession and baptism, and of course, what only God can do there in conversion, even Ephesians 1, the investment of the Holy Spirit, biblical conversion across the New Testament. I trust that as the Word of God speaks, as we evaluate our practices in the missionary task, we can call for response in the same way. Well, welcome again uh, to our Self-Discovery Series. Today, we continue in the matter of gospel seed sowing. As we've sought to clarify the gospel, and last time, even considered, examined, right response to that gospel in the New Testament, Often, in as we pursue the missionary task, we talk about the controllable and the uncontrollable elements and aspects of the kingdom. As if there are certain stewardships the, the Lord has commissioned among His disciples, and there are certain issues, matters, that are simply beyond the control of the disciples, of those sent about the work of the kingdom. For example, when we consider seed sowing, the topic we're looking to self discover today, you realize that there is a stewardship granted among those who receive the Great Commission to go about sowing the seed. How many will hear the gospel today? This is a controllable element in that we have the stewardship of taking and making use of the opportunities in our day, in our calendar. Meanwhile, As we go about seed sowing, as we partner with God in this matter of gospel presentation, certain elements are uncontrollable. None of us can give life. None of us can speak to the seed and tell it to grow. No, in fact, it's only God who gives life. It's only God who can germinate that seed. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I sowed the seed, Apollos watered it, but it was God who makes it grow. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. So it is today. As we go about the matter of gospel seed sowing, there are uncontrollables. There are areas where we depend upon God and obviously the power invested in the gospel itself. Well, this is the topic for our self-discovery today. As you gather with your disciples, we've gathered a, a variety of verses in today's study, all coming from the pen of the Apostle Paul, that we ask you to consider Consider these same verses and these two key questions as these verses appear for you and your disciples. The questions I have for you today, uh, how is how does each of these verses demonstrate or, or describe the power of the gospel itself? The second question: What is the gospel expected to accomplish in each of these passages? By doing this study, by examining these with your disciples, our trust, our desire is that our confidence would grow in our faith, in our partnership to trust God and His gospel for those things that we cannot accomplish. Take a few minutes as you gather with your disciples, pause this video, and wrestle with these same passages. Well, I I trust that that study was valuable. As you wrestled with these passages, were you surprised at times to hear the active verbs that are attached to the gospel itself? Romans 1 tells us in Paul's words that that same gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Again, uh, the active verbs that this gospel is bearing fruit and taking ground all over the world. Uh, There was a... Again, a New Testament scholar, this time Robert Plummer, who once wrote and described the, the, the dynamic nature of the gospel as described by Paul, that Paul could speak of this gospel almost and refer to, refer to it as a powerful, uh, dynamic force that's at work among us. And you realize that's what you have in your hand? As we clarify a biblical gospel, as we call for right response, surely this study, as it did in Paul's life, gives us the confidence to present the gospel simply. That as we do our part in seed sowing, to trust God for the uncontrollables, to trust God, the only one who can give life. Thank you, Robert Plummer. Thank you, Apostle Paul. Thank you, all of you who would seek to put seed into the hands of your disciples. As you go about mobilizing seed sowers, I trust all of our confidence grows to know that this gospel does the work. Even as we sleep, as we get up, as we're involved in the ministry, we can trust God uh, that He would see that seed live, cause it to sprout and grow. Do you remember Paul's words in 1 Corinthians In chapter 2, Paul referring, speaking of his ministry, his seed sowing among the Corinthians. When I was with you, brothers, I, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Rather, I chose to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. My gospel came, not with eloquence, but with simplicity, with humility, That your faith, Paul says to the Corinthians, might not depend on the eloquence of man, but on a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That gospel power is in your hand. That seed is capable of life only because we partner with God. It's the power of God unto salvation. It's active in the world and in your field. As you think about your seed sowing... Take time to pray again with your disciples. Are we trusting God for what we can't accomplish? Surely, surely, that only emboldens us in the stewardship of sowing the seed today. All right, well, it's my pleasure to welcome you one more time in this uh, self-discovery series to consider the matter of gospel seed sowing. When we've come to this second field, this Matter of Gospel Presentation, the self-discovery series has led us to clarify the gospel, In the first here on Gospel Presentation. Secondly, we considered right response to that gospel. We considered the power of the gospel last time. And today, we're going to consider even think about how the gospel reproduces and multiplies across the pages of the New Testament. Uh, even as you gathered last time with your disciples, as we considered the power of the gospel, we talked about those elements of stewardship, the controllables related to gospel seed sowing, things and places where in response of obedience to Christ's commands, we get to be involved in sowing the gospel seed. We also talked about those things that are uncontrollable. The very fact that it is only God who gives life and the power then of the gospel that we might grow in our understanding and in our confidence, our faith to trust the gospel to do what we can never accomplish for it's the power of God unto salvation. I, as you've gone about disciplined seed sowing even over these weeks I think about the, the bird and, and how silly it would be for me to think that I might be able to teach a bird to fly. No, instead... The bird knows and does what comes natural to it. My job, if I were to have a bird and to teach it to fly, would simply be to release it, to see it untethered, and to see that bird do what comes naturally, as it's designed by God to do. So it is with the gospel. As we present and clarify a simple, clear, biblical gospel, as we call for right response, as we trust and in fact, entrust those who hear the gospel to the power of God who gives life. We, can, we have also seen in our lives, and our ministries, and certainly here in the New Testament today, examples of that gospel growing, advancing, taking ground, even multiplying through the witness of new believers and disciples. As you gather with your disciples today then, our goal, our desire is to consider this self-discovery study. I'm going to ask you and give you this list. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Acts chapter 13, 48 and 49. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Together with a little background, as you consider first of all 1 Corinthians 1, 16, and also 1 Corinthians sixteen fifteen, the beginning and end of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, How do you see these verses connected with 2 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2, here appearing on your list? And finally, Acts chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. If you're familiar with these passages, you will know that each of these passages represent a province, a, a journey of the Apostle Paul across the book of Acts, in which case, Each of the provinces where Paul ministered here represented in this self-discovery list. Take time as you gather with your disciples. Do you see examples of multiplication in the matter of seed sowing? Even beyond Paul's own witness, how and who might have been involved in gospel seed sowing? These then are your two key questions today. What was the result of gospel seed sowing in Paul's journeys from these passages? And secondly, who do you see empowered? Who do we assume was doing the seed sowing beyond the Apostle Paul in each of these verses? Take time, pause the video, take time and wrestle with your disciples even now as you consider these passages. Well, I trust that this study was valuable to you and your disciples to see that beyond the addition of Paul and Barnabas, as they sowed the seed, as they were faithful with the gospel, surely the Lord added to the number, surely the Lord added fruit wherever they went, wherever the gospel was preached. But as we've seen in these passages, even across the four provinces of the journey, the three missionary journeys of Paul, Repeatedly, we see examples of seed sowing far beyond Paul and his co-workers, his traveling companions, so that even whole provinces have a buzz concerning Jesus, a conversation initiated concerning the word of the Lord as it spread through entire regions. I'm amazed as I consider Paul's example But the truth is, it's it's not inconsistent with the example of Christ. What we see in the example of Paul, there also, we might be surprised in the pages of the gospel to see who it is that Jesus empowers to represent him. People like the Samaritan woman who could call her whole town, her whole village to the feet of Christ in John chapter 4. Or Zacchaeus, who presumably in Luke 19 went house to house paying back all that he had taken. I imagine that town, Jericho, was turned upside down by such an event. Mark chapter 5, the demoniac going across even the whole of the Decapolis, to tell all that Christ had done. Again and again, these last that we might choose, somehow empowered to represent God and to sow the seed of the gospel, even from the first days of their faith. Surely, surely in our self-discovery study, surely the study we just conducted, we see consistency in the ongoing example of the Apostle Paul, his letters in the book of Acts. As you consider your seed sowing today, your disciplines, your stewardship, absolutely essential to be sustained in this missionary task. Looking beyond your own gospel seed sowing, your own disciplines to the empowerment, even of believers who are gathered, that they too might represent, that they too might be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in them. This is the pathway to reproduction. This is, the biblical example that leads us to multiply. So it was in the early church, the book of Acts, the the writer Luke, as he captures the addition taking place in Acts chapter 2, as the Lord added to their number, as the Lord continued in verse 47 daily to add to their number those who were being saved. In chapter 4, they had been added, even the church grown to more than 5,000 who claimed Christ. It's in chapter 6 that the Gospel writer, and here the writer of Acts, the, the, the writer Luke, gives us a significant transition. That as the matter of waiting tables was delegated there to presumably the first deacons, as the apostles committed themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word, we see Luke's intentional transition from addition to multiplication. That the Word of God increased rapidly from that time on. So it is in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, verse 31. If you'd like to go deeper, these verses here are available to you to see in Luke's own recounting of the expansion and growth of the first church from Jerusalem. Gospel stewardship in the matter of seed sowing, that, the, the, that more and more might be added to the number. Gospel empowerment, whether it's by training or by the release of the gospel, the putting of seed even into the hands of new believers, the gospel multiplied as the, across the four provinces through the Apostle Paul, and even today in our own ministry, that we might see gospel seed saturating the fields to which we're called. This only by God's grace. I trust that this, these four studies here on gospel seed sowing have been of value to you as you clarify, as you call for right decision, as you trust the power of God unto salvation that is there in the gospel, and even as we see the gospel multiplied to the ends of the earth. Wherever you are, may you be blessed. Next time we gather, we'll consider the matter of follow-up and disciple-making. What do we do when they say yes we'll carry on with this same series. God bless you. We'll see you again soon. Well, I hope you're enjoying the series. A reminder that you can visit Nathan's YouTube channel uh, in order to uh, watch the videos there, um, especially if you're working through these sessions as a team. You can find the link in the show notes.